Yes, indeed. Welcome to the war. It continues. Father God, we thank you that your will be done, O God, on earth in and through us this day, as it's being done and declared in heaven, your peace, your justice, your truth, your revelation, your freedom, your love and mercy, your justice as well, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for Jesus, sending Jesus to die on the cross in our place. We thank you that that has made a way for us to be saved, to be part of your family, to receive an inheritance in life, eternal life. <clears throat> we thank you, Jesus, also that you have given us power and authority over all the power of the enemy, that nothing shall by any means hurt us. You said whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, binding, loosing, forbidding, and permitting. Father God, we thank you for these gifts. We also thank you that we know that as we go to war, there are many uh, attacks against your people. So we pray that your word again become our shield and our covering, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken, uh, no purposes of hell will be able to go uh, against us or prevail. In Jesus' name, and we ask you, Father, for wisdom. I ask that you'd also give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand what we're saying today, what your word is saying to us, that we will be equipped, that we'll be uh, motivated, that we will uh, be um, dispatched into this war, Father, in Jesus' name. Deployed. Amen. 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 Well, there's so a, where are all the warriors? Where are the warriors? That's yeah. what we're talking about here today. That's a question that, uh, well, we ask it rhetorically and really practically. Yeah. You know, where are the true warriors in the kingdom of God and, these days? Yeah, and, and yes, and I think that, you know, sometimes we get pretty discouraged and we see those kinds of words in the Psalms, like 13 where the uh, psalmist is praying. I think it's David, actually. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Um, mm. This is kind of where we're at right now, and I think we can go into the place of despair or despond, or we can rise up and take uh, courage and address, deal with the situation. So the psalmist there is crying out, Lord, how long? Will your enemies triumph over me? And, uh, you know, if you look at the book of Judges, which seems like, man, the book of Judges, wow, that's well, in I like the Bible. that name, Judge. We need Judges. to do some judging around here. Yeah, well, it, it, it spoke so, <clears throat> excuse me, there were 16 different judges. It was a period of time in Israel's history, kind of between, you know, Moses and between Joshua and the kings, mm -hmm. the, the kings that came later on. But if you if you look at Judges chapter 4, verse 1, when Ehud was dead, that was one of the judges, after he died, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of, the Can king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Harosheth Hagoyim. So basically, what we see in the book of Judges is a cycle. It's a vicious cycle mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of turning away from the Lord, worshiping other gods, uh, being basically sold into the hand of their enemies. They mm -hmm. come under the oppression of all these 
pagan enemies around them. They're oppressed in the villages, in the cities, everywhere. And then finally, the the oppression goes on year after year after year. Yeah. And finally, they cry out to the Lord, and the Lord brings raises up a, a, a judge, right, a, mm-hmm. a deliverer to deliver them from their enemies. And then they, the land has rest for a while. And then they go back into the same thing same again. Thing. They turn yeah. away from the Lord, get into their idolatry and their oppression uh, comes again once again. So this is a cycle that's repeated over and over. It's mm-hmm. a really a sad cycle, but it really, in a sense, there's a real blessing in it because God is not abandoning his people. Right. Even though they turn away from him, it shows the mercy and love of God that he keeps bringing them deliverance even though they have turned away from him time and time again. We really have to see that through this physical back-and-forth cycle, war, uh, disobedience, evil, correction, coming back, restoration. This is a physical um, uh, display, I guess you'd say, of what's really going on in the spirit world Mm -hmm. because all of this is the reaction to what is going on in a spiritual world between God and Satan for the souls of men. And Satan is always trying to defile and deceive and draw us away from God and from righteousness and from our true identity into this deplorable, um, uh, foolish way of behaving. It says in Psalm 14, it says, The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand or seek God. They have all turned aside. They become altogether corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat up bread and do not call upon the Lord. There they are in great fear. For God is in the generation of the righteous. So God is watching all of this. And he is the one who permits these judges to be raised up. He is the one who permits our our, our leaders to come and go, the good and the evil, as as determined by actually our uh, obedience to God. It's really, there's a lot more hanging in the balance. It's not all spiritual. It's physical, spiritual together, but the, together they create this atmosphere of of conflict or uh, celebration and victory. And yeah, all we see in the physical world is, is, is an expression of what's going on in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, so if God is looking down from heaven right now upon the children of men... He's looking for some who would understand, some who would seek after him, some who would, uh, those who have turned aside, he's trying to draw them like the prodigals back. Um, But he says, they've become corrupt. We have taken on the ways of the pit, the ways of the snake, the serpent, the world, uh, in the way that we treat one another, in the way we've we've been. uh, And it says, if we refuse the love of the truth in Thessalonians, that God will send a strong delusion that we believe a lie. And I believe that's where we are right now. We have refused, refused correction, um, the gentle correction, the word of God, uh, the the pulpits of this nation have failed us. And so people have refused the love of God and so, and the truth. And so then he sends a strong delusion that they'll believe a lie. And of course, that lie comes through the devil and through his entourage, but nonetheless, it brings great pain and conflict. And one of the gracious ways God deals with us is that he does raise up warriors. Yes, he does. He does raise up one or two and sometimes some of the most unusual people that uh, he works through mm-hmm. to accomplish his purpose, to call us back to him, yeah. to get the uh, enemies off our backs, so to speak, 
and uh, in, in, in the case in, in the book of Judges. Yes, it was quite an unusual uh, one he un, raised un, up, un, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. God uses unusual the people. The foolish things unusual, to confound the wise. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, what? So they had, you know, they, the children of Israel oppressed. They're crying out to the Lord mm-hmm. in, in chapter 4, verse 3 of Judges. The children of Israel cried to the, out to the Lord for Jabin. This is the uh, oppressor, uh, the, oppressor, the mm-hmm. king of the Canaanites, um, he he had uh, a great army, 900 chariots of iron. In other words, he had very advanced state-of-the-art weaponry, weaponry mm-hmm. at the time. And for 20 years, he harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Okay, so they've been oppressed harshly mm-hmm. for 20 years. And finally, after 20 years, the children of Israel um, cried out to the Lord. Okay, and they were probably crying now. out to the Lord maybe during that time, but I mean, mm-hmm. this thing just kept going on and on, twenty years, twenty years. But then now, Deborah, verse four, or Deborah, mm-hmm. a prophetess, the wife of uh, Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time, and she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between uh, Ramah and Bethel, Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for uh, judgment. So th- we find out about this Deborah or Deborah, that she is a a, a woman, right? She is a prophetess. Mm-hmm. She's a judge. She's referred to as a mother in Israel, which speaks of uh, authority and affection that he had. she had for the nation of Israel. She's a wife. We find out she is a military strategist, mm-hmm. and a songwriter. Now, that's quite a combination. It's quite a combination of gifts, isn't it? <laughs> Multiple uh, gifting and ability that God gave her. But Yes, um, I'm sure that what she would do also when she sat under the palm tree would be uh, be wise and give wise counsel to the people who would come yeah, and seek her counsel. Very, very wise counsel. And then, of course, she's observing this. She's experiencing this oppression. oppression. Mm-hmm. So she is operating... Uh, in one one of her gifts here as judging, uh, in, a, in the giving sense, counsel, judging, probably give, basically counseling. giving mm-hmm. counsel. It yeah. was kind of like legal counsel. It, I mean, it's like if somebody had a grievance, uh, the, you know, and and problems be, in relationships, business issues, whatever, they would come to her, and then she would make a decree and get things settled. So mm-hmm. she needed. She was very, uh, no doubt, very very wise. Uh, in her uh, decision-making and the uh, advice that she gave to the people. Yes, and so she was there. She saw these things. She was sitting under this spirit of oppression, seeing and hearing the people's woes probably every day under the palm tree and getting a little uh, very in tune, I would say, with the pain and with the with the indecision, with the injustices of what was going on at that time. I believe this is probably what God used to try to... um, or not try to, God doesn't try to do anything, to in, encourage her or ignite her to stand up, call, come forth, and take the next step, not just giving counsel, but actually getting up off from under the palm tree and going to war. Well, yeah, and basically here is a war uh, that's, well, that's initiated by prophecy. And it's in, it's interesting because there was a word from God about what He was going to do, what He wanted to do, 
And so what she says, she gets a hold of Barak, uh, this uh, interesting name, huh? Yeah, interesting name. Uh, the son of a, a, a Benom uh, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, "Has not the Lord in verse six of Judges four?" Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor and take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and the sons of Zebulun? Against, and against you I will deplore Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver you him into your hand. Now, there was a word that had come forth from mm-hmm, God mm-hmm. that... Deborah knew about and Barak knew about, and, and they said, it's time. Deborah is saying, it's time now to act on the word that God has given. Well, it's interesting how God gave them this word. It was a military strategy, and God gave them exactly what was going to happen, where to go, where the battle was going to be fought, and who was going to come against them and what he was going to do. So they had the whole prophetic word, um, you know, against you, I will deploy Sisera. Okay, you get up. Go, go to Mount Tabor, take you through 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali. That was one of the tribes and Zebulun. Those are the two tribes that were the, in that area. They were kind of uh, close brothers. And um, so you take those 10,000 people, men, sons of those two tribes, and I will, and against you, I will, I am going to allow Sisera to come against you. He says, I will, de- he's going to provoke Sisera and his troops, the, the, the oppressing government army system. Uh, and the commander of his army, which uh, of Jabin's army, and his chariots. I'm going to tell you where they're going. They're going to. We're going to meet at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hands. So she had the whole strategy generally laid out right in front of her: who to do to take, how many troops to take, where to go, and what was going to happen. And God told her everything, the beginning, middle, and end, so she could go into this battle with absolute confidence. And I, I think that's. What is missing nowadays is that people don't hear the word of the Lord. She had heard the word. Someone had given it to her. She was a prophetess. She was a, a counselor. She was one that God spoke clearly to, um, and she knew what to do. And I and it was her interesting that her confidence in God, um, in the strategy and what was going to happen, it was able to convince the men, the 10,000 soldiers and Barak, to go with her. Yeah, and it's very interesting um, it talks about, I mean, how oppressed things were. And it just just borrowing, looking ahead a little bit from a song that she wrote after this victory. Uh, verse 6, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, this is one of the judges that had come before her in the days of Jael, uh, the highways were deserted. Uh, this is Judges 5, verse beginning with verse 6. And the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. Mm-hmm. Until I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. Now, so basically, there's there's oppression. Yes, and listen what else they had chosen new gods. Yep. And there was war at the gates. Yep. Um, and, and not the, a shield or a spear was seen among them for forty for the forty thousand in Israel. No, it's interesting. They didn't have shields. They didn't have spears. They, didn't they have basically weapons. have no weapons, mm-hmm. and they're going against uh, Sisera or Jabin's army under the command of Sisera that has these 900 chariots of iron, state of the war iron, and they go actually into a valley, which is the actual, that's the greatest advantage. I mean, if you if you wanted to deal with chariots, you'd want to fight them in high country. 
mm-hmm. you know, where they, they can't go up and down the hills very mm-hmm. well. But they go right to where the chariots have the most advantage, in a flat valley. And that's where Barak goes against him, gets these 10,000 men, and uh, goes against them in, in in the valley, and they have basically no weapons. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have really no weapons. It's what just, is a man against an iron chariot that's speeded, yeah, speeding you through have there no, with you forces? Have, <laughs> you, and you right, you have no swords, you have no spears, as as Deborah points out later. So so they're deploy troops. You know, get get them. You'd say that's pretty foolhardy military strategy, wouldn't you? You say, well, we're we're going to be whipped. But what? God had commanded it, and that was the whole difference right there. God's ways are different than our ways. For so sure. he had a he had a a perfect strategy for victory, and the, the Deborah was in tune with it. Barak was in tune with it as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, he said, uh, "If you then Barak says, okay, uh, there's this deliverance going to come." Verse eight of Judges four. Uh, Barak said to her. If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I, I will not go. He says, well, I want so you. So surely I, want, I will go I with you. I want you along. <laughs> and I think it'd be a, you know, it's a good thing to be partnering with people who hear from God. That's right. That's right. And she, and she said, I will go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey for you are taking, you are taking for the Lord will sell Sisera or turn him over to the hand of another woman, basically. So Deborah was prophesying again the death of Sisera, how he would die at the hand of a woman. So Barak was saying, okay, I guess this is the woman's war here, but um, he was nonetheless willing to go. Yeah, and he he, he said, you know, I'm not going to get a big, you know, a medal on my chest for this victory, but I'll go ahead and do it anyway. Because of obedience, right? Because of obedience. So then they they went, they did what they were told. They went with uh, verse 10, Barak called Zebulun and Napoli to Kadesh, these different tribes in Israel. And he went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. You know, so so they were they were obedient. They got the vision. They united together. They didn't say, "Oh, this is a crazy plan, and we're not going to go." What are you thinking? Chariots and iron chariots against us in the valley? That's ridiculous. Um, so they um, and they reported uh, that they had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together his chariots, and he's going to fight them now uh, at the river, just where God said. Um, and then Deborah said to Barak, "Get up, up, up." For this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So she was encouraging him to remind her him of the, the word of the Lord. And so he went to Tabor with the 10,000 men following him. And God routed Sisera and all of his chariots and his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. Barak. So the Sisera got off his chariot and flew on foot. So they... He was now running for his life, and God is, was routing the charioteers with the army of Barak. And the Lord was doing this because obviously there was no way that there's no human explanation for how this was going to go down. But Barak pursued him, um, and Sisera fell by the edge of the sword, um, and not a man was left. And every. In every, I'm sorry, the, the army of Sisera fell, but Sisera is still running, as, yeah, as we see here. he gets out here. of his chariot, and he, he, he starts he, running on he foot. He starts running, just scared for his life. Right, and, big, strong guy. And w- something of note here in, in the book of Judges, that every time that there was deliverance that God brought, 
through some of the most unusual people. Um, it was an unusual way of doing it. It was not yeah, typical conventional uh, military uh, strategy. Military strategy of the day, and it was clear that it was God doing this. So he's on his on his uh, he's fleeing. He's running for his life, uh, and he fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Canaanite. Canaanite, uh, for there was peace between Jabin. So he thought this was a, a safe place to go because he found an ally in yes. the in the Canaanites because there was peace, and so he came up to this tent in the in the desert, I would suppose, uh, and Jael, the, the woman, uh, was home. <laughs> and she met, went out to meet Sister, and I don't know if she recognized him or not, but she invited him to turn aside, uh, do not fear, turn aside, come in. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. He was exhausted. And she says, um... She, he says, give me a little water to drink. I'm, I'm so thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk and gave him a drink to cover him. And then he said to her, stand by the door. Keep watch. You know, if anybody comes, inquires of you, um, and says, is there somebody in there? Is there a man in there? You will say no. Then Jael Heber's wife, after obviously sister had fallen asleep, um, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple and it went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary so he died unbelievable the courage the 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 guts this woman had to go against this this severe general this austere bloody man who had i'm sure caused fear and and terror in the hearts of all who knew him because of his army and her husband was actually in in, in alliance with him, I mean, because his, her husband, and the or the the Kenites there, they had warned, um, Jabin, that the Israelites were arming themselves and getting ready to go to war. Oh, so they so were tattletales. Fig- so he they, he figures this this is a safe safe, safe place. Ally. She's an ally, but obviously, I don't think her husband was home at this time. Well, at the time, <laughs> back in those days. Uh, we're told that the the women are the ones that set up the tents, yeah. And the husband and wife, the women, the wife had a separate tent. She had her own tent. Oh, so that's you know separate bedrooms or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, be that what it is. So she was courageous, and she was inspired by God, and also fulfilling a prophecy that she probably had never heard. She had not probably heard Deborah say anything about this to Barak, and here she's doing exactly what God had prophesied through Deborah. And so he, uh, and when he came, uh, and then Barak came pursuing Sisera, and Jael came out of the tent to meet him and said, Come, I will show you the man whom you're looking for. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera, dead with a peg in his temple. So oh, I'm glad the guy, Barak, came to take that bloody body out of there. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of the Canaanites, in the presence of the children of Israel, and the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. Now, see, the thing is, there has to be a, a turning point. There, I think this was a turning point in the oppression. They had won this victory, sudden and shocking, shocking, shocking events that they had never, the armies of, of Sisera, had, Jabin, had never, never expected turned this thing, and it was fearful because here we see the hand of God turning an event, just literally turning it for no reason except God. 
just like some things we've seen lately, with just a turn of events for no reason, no human intervention, no one except God was doing something, and the people began to say and see, oh, 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 this could be God. This must be God. And so I think that was the courage that they needed to take up this song that they began to sing. It was they celebrated and rejoiced this victory. And that's another thing. We we have to be aware that the intimidation factor of the enemy, all of his CNN projections and all of his polls and all of his threats and death threats and burning down cities and all of these things, intimidation uh, is not, is not, you know, that we're going to vote for you or follow you because you're so righteous. It's because you better follow us or we're going to kill you, burn down your city. This is what oppression looks like and intimidation and bullying and blackmailing. And we've had it to the top of our heads in this um, in this world, I believe. And God is going to deal with it now because there's not much time left before the return of Jesus Christ. And that's another interesting thing. Jesus Christ is coming back for a church. He's coming back for a bride. He's coming back. And yet we have been so suckered into um, believing the lies. And part of that pro- the problem, I believe, is that we have not paid attention. The Lord has looked down from heaven. He sees what's going on. Um, and then Ephesians, we, we hear about, um, for this you know that no fornicator, I mean, here's, the, here's what God is saying through Paul. No fornicator, no unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of, of Christ and God. This is where we're at right now. There's people are trying to get an inheritance in the, in the the God of this world, but he's not going to give them anything but hell to pay. But he says, we have played the fool. We have allowed these wicked things, fornication, uncleanness, pedophilia, um, human trafficking, sexual perversions, abortions, um, all these things to come. And he says in Ephesians, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So this is where it begins in our life of standing up against these things. To begin all things, he says, Ephesians 5.13, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is the light. So all of these, the, the deep state, the hidden works of darkness, the, the centuries of demonic control, intimidation, poverty, uh, harnessing the, the innocent for the uh, to exploit them for the gain of the elite. All of these things have been going on in the dark, under the surface, in the tunnels, uh, in the hidden away places where children are exploited and killed and murdered and sacrificed, where men and women are, are being attacked by Satan in their marriages and their families. And so God is looked down. He saw this. And he says in five, Ephesians 5.13, to walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. This woman, Deborah, was wise. This begins with wisdom. It begins with looking at what's really going on and saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I'm, I'm, what, what's going on with me? Um, he says, be wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. So she was not unwise, but she understood what the will of the Lord was. And she was able to prov- provoke, uh, persuade through the word of God, through her testimony, these other people to rise up. 10,000 men were willing to go with her word. Um, and, but where are we at now? Where, who, where's, where are our Deborahs? Where are the Baraks? Where are the, um, uh, the Gideons? Where are the, the ones who are willing to lay down everything to take up the, 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 the cause of Jesus Christ and righteousness? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, just because there, you win a great battle doesn't mean the war is over. 
the war is not over till Jesus basically rules and reigns Comes and destroys mm-hmm. all the works of the devil, but throws the devil in the lake of fire and so mm-hmm. forth. And it's interesting, and the, this song that Deborah wrote is a celebration of this victory. Mm-hmm. Her and Barack wrote it, but we give most of the credit to um, Deborah for writing it. But Judges chapter 5, verse 1, then Deborah and Barak, the son of uh, Abinoam, sang on that day, that day of victory, the day that uh, they had destroyed Jabin, king of uh, Canaan. When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Amen. Judges chapter 5, verse 2. Psalm one ten three. it says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy uh-huh. power. And the New King James says, Thy people shall be volunteers Amen. in the day of thy power. They're going so to come from everywhere you don't to have, volunteer. You don't have to beg and plead. Right. And They're going to come like out of their holes. They'll, they'll, they'll come out of the... Yeah. In a sense, come out of the woodwork when leaders lead. Right. And, and one like I said, um, you know, if you think you're a leader and nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. Right. And so you're. Uh, well, leaders. We, we need uh, leaders that are strong that, and that, convinced. That hear from God, mm-hmm. that are wise, and that just hear the word of the Lord and mm-hmm. rise up, not to be big shots, not to be dictators, but, but to be serving. To do that which is right. That's all it is, is to follow God, be obedient, and do what you're called to do. Many of you are even called in these very last days specifically to be those kinds of leaders and warriors and and to take a stand. And the reason evil keeps, you know, uh, taking over and, and encroaching upon us more and more and more is because it took so long for the righteous to stand up. Now they're starting to stand up, wake up. I think the first step is to wake up, you know, from, from sleep and, you know, redeem the time because the days are evil. We're in these treacherous times and we have been lulled to sleep by complacencies, put to sleep by the false sense of safety or by a, a pursuit of safety or by the lies. We're not safe. All the things we've given up to be safe have only made us more weak and more vulnerable, and that's a fact. We've been scattered with uh, um, the vain pursuits. We've been distracted, you know, pursuing careers and, uh, you know, trying to collect uh, peace and gather up our lives and be safe. And we caught up with vain pursuits and with uh, things that don't matter, confused. And that's another one, confused. Uh, double-minded, dis- divided, confused by the opinions and the ideologies of, of secularism and worldliness and communism and socialism, and we have not taught our children, and that's one of the problems. They've now risen up against us because they were taught by Satan's school to believe lies, and now they have come to, to, to take away the very freedoms that our, 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 our fathers and mothers died to give them and, so, and us. So we have to wake up we can we we know the truth. Don't be confusing. Where there is only God and Satan, there is no other way to utopia or safety other than the plan of Jesus Christ. And so it's not going to be utopia through uh, you know global sharing or anything like that. It's going to be the repenting and bowing the knee to the Most High God. And many people also in the church, especially, have been deceived by the false gospels. You know, um, the, the gospel is the new false counterfeit gospels, if you love me, you will endorse my sin as good. And and then we get confused. Well, I got to, you know, 
put up with it because it's it's their choice, it's their body, it's their sin, and 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 who am I? And blah, I can't judge them. But God is is saying, you know, we need to discern these things. There's a moral a moral indifference, a passivity. Um, we've agreed a passive agreement actually with evil. We've per- put up with abortions for millions and millions and millions and millions and millions upon millions of babies that are now in heaven with God uh, that didn't get to live their life because we refuse to allow them to enter the planet. It's interesting, too, that Deborah in this uh, song of Deborah in Judges chapter 5 talks about the people that came, that rallied, that volunteered, that joined in the army. Mm -hmm. There were those that enthusiastically came in and sacrificially came in to join the army against the enemy. Courageous. And, And then there were others that just sat it out. Yeah. You know, that some of them, one tribe was busy with their ship, ships. I think it was Dan, one, wasn't it? Dan was busy with their ships. Another tribe was busy with their sheep. And and uh, they, they were all, you know, they didn't join in. And mm-hmm. then even there was a city that... Um, but there was Reuben. This is, there was a great resolve of heart. So Issachar, uh, as Issachar, so was Barak, sent into the valley under the command. So there were some tribes that really showed up. And some, some that didn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and it's you always to, going to be like that. You know, there's some people that are just going to sit it out and let a few do the hard lift, heavy lifting. Yeah. Let George do it. That sort of thing. Uh, you think of an example here. Um, uh, uh, they stayed, some have stayed at home. Um, they, I think it was, um, one of them stayed, uh, stayed in, in the sheepfolds. Yeah. Uh, Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. Why did Dan remain on the ships? Verse 17. Asher continued at the seashore and stayed by his inlets. So he was busy with his But Zebulun. Zebulun is a, is a who people jeopardized who jeopardized their, their lives. lives to the point of death. That's the ones we have to, that's the ones we want. Nephthali also on the heights of the battlefield. And so there were those that really went into it. And then there was one city, one area, one place uh, verse 23 of Judges 5, Curse Morose, said the angel of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was the angel of the Lord that was leading this battle. It wasn't Deborah. It wasn't Deborah. Hallelujah. It was the heavens the heavenly that host, were angels fighting of God. And you know, can I just say something about angels right now? Because that's exactly what they are. Some of them are warrior angels, and they are sent as ministers to the heirs of righteousness. And we have that escort. We have an angelic escort. We need to know that. Because when you look at yourself say, who am I? Who am I to come up against this ferocious, horrible, bloody, murderous, Deep state narrative. Yeah, the, the narrative and the people who are living in that narrative. How? Who am I? But the angels of the Most High, and it even said the stars fought in their courses. Well, the, um, it, it was against it, Sisera. And, and really, the battle f- came. Basically, there was a big rain and hailstorm, and mucked up all the chariots. The chariots oh, got stuck God in did. the mud, oh, and there was a flood came and swept Ooh. them away. So they basically the valley is a per- perfect place to bring a flood. Then <laughs> yeah, a perfect place to fight with chariots. You just don't unless, mess. With, yeah, unless it's raining cats and dogs, and everything gets mucked up. And so, but see, God trapped him again. He brought. He says, "Go down to the valley." And isn't that by the valley of Megiddo, but Armageddon? Isn't that where the same valley down in that area? I don't. It says, um, 
uh, by the waters of Med- Megiddo, and that's probably by Armageddon area. But look at all the times, you guys, God has got nature on his side. He's got the, the stars. He's got the comets. He's got the asteroids. He's got the, the waves of the sea. He's got the volcanoes. He's got the tectonic plates. He's got the hurricanes. He's got the mm-hmm. fires. He's got, he's got that stuff. Those are his weapons, and they are faithful and loyal to God, and they will do what God says. I know Satan tries to manipulate the weather and various things and blow things up and blah, blah, blah. But when, but God's strategy, God's weapons, when God is, look at, he sent the rain, he sent the hail. How many times did God destroy things with fire and brimstone from heaven, pelting them with hail and comets? And you know what? That's what Revelations is all about too. There's going to be a lot of that coming down, comets, mountains burning in fire, falling into the oceans. Um, And it's not Mother Nature, it's Father God. Yes, exactly. And and, and, and in verse 23 uh, of Judges, again, Curse Meroz, said the angel of the Lord, curse its inhabitants bitterly because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. They said, we're not going to do it. We're just going to sit this out. And they got cursed. And they were under the curse. Jesus said, Matthew twelve thirty. He who is not with me is against, is against me. me, and who, who and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So these people. So and God used the foolish uh, things again, didn't he? He used things that they never expected. He used a woman with a bowl of milk, and a and a hammer and a tent peg. Really, I mean, she knew how to use tent pegs and hammers. Obviously, if she's setting up tents. Well, yeah, but that's, that's her job. <laughs> but what what smaller thing could you use to defeat the army? God likes to use the most small, incredibly insignificant things to tear down, wreck, stop, destroy the whole demonic force in its tracks. That's because God is God and, and Satan is no match with God. So, But the problem is God has got to have some who believe him, some who are willing to go, um, and some who are deceived, some who are in a place of moral indifference. They've permitted Jesus, to, like you said, if you're not with me or against me. Um, we have to, you know, resist, submit to God, resist the devil. Some are intimidated by the threats and the ferocious. They're looking at what it looks like. They're looking at the rage. They're looking at the insanity of the of the enemy. They're unreasonable. They're they're out of control. And you know what? We they have been programmed. They we're intimidated by those who actually in this last day have been programmed assassins, and they are released among us to kill us. This is one of Satan's plots. Uh, go deeper. And these these play, these people are un uh, they're they're unreasonable they're they're they have a whole different agenda they aren't like even on a course of human understanding and and they're and they're they're overwhelmed we can be overwhelmed by this godless um, resource resources of these of these evil powers or we can be overwhelmed by the hypocrisy or we can get mad and upset by the double standards or the or the um the, the hatred. For good things, we can get all discouraged, despondent, despairing. We need to get back to God and say, "Lord, have mercy on me. Remove from me these impediments that I might stand and be strong and do exploits in the name of our God." That's what the people of Israel do, and they begin to just cry out to the Lord. And basically, in our day, we need to be crying out to the Lord That's in it. repentance because we have That's chosen. Other, we too have chosen other gods. We too have turned Repent. against the Lord mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. It's a time for repentance. And with the repentance, the deliverance comes. That's right. The deliverance comes through uh, people who rise up. 
Well, Jesus said it too, repent uh, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're right there. We're right there at the place where the kingdom of heaven is about, about to intersect the kingdom of earth. And it's going to be only two sides. You're either on God's side or the devil's side, and there is no middle ground. And so it's time to repent, change your mind, confess your sins, and get back on uh, full, fully equipped on God's uh, team. And everyone that's listening to this today can be a warrior. So well, what, what about qualifications? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, well, if you're foolish, if you're weak, if you're insignificant, if you're despised, if you're basically considered a zero. Um, God wants you. God, God's calling God you, can use you to rise up. Look at what he used. He used that woman who built tents. He used Deborah, who sat under a tree and, and, and gave good counsel. He used foolish things. We're, we're all God needs. Just be willing. That's all he needs from you is to get up and speak up. Take your stand. Stop doing the foolish things. Stop complying to the, to the wicked demands that are no good. Just take off your mask and see what's really going on, if you will. I mean, that's as simple as that, as strong as that. Start standing up for the truth of who God is, and then you will also become true to who you are, and you will no longer be a victim, but victorious. Lord, and I pray right now for those that are listening that they will be warriors, the warriors that you have called them to be, not fighting with flesh and blood, but in the Spirit of God and that they will hear the Word of God yes. and obey the Word of God, yes. even though it seems crazy. Energized it seems equi- like yes. there's the, going, the odds Hallelujah. are every, everything in the world looks like it's against us. But if God be for us, who can be against us? And Lord us? God, we pray that you would speak and give direction to, to the leaders in this country, the righteous. Raise who, up godly yes, leaders. Young true ones, true ones. Yes, even the young ones, even the children, even the teenagers, even the younger than that, Lord, raise them up. And you know what? We see even some of the younger ones are more courageous than the older ones. They've actually took stands and died for the cause of righteousness and truth. And we bless you, Lord God, for their memory. We bless you for their courage. And God, we pray that you pour out the, the blood of the martyrs becomes the fuel for the fire for God's army. And so, Lord, they love not their lives unto the death. They overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So, Lord God, cause us to be victorious because we know in the end you totally win. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Rescue Radio, because there's a war for your soul.